worthy of it today in this house. Amen. Amen. Let me just echo what's already been said today and say to each and every one of you, God bless you. Thank you for being in this house today, worshiping the Lord together. A beautiful day outside. Sun shining beautifully out there. It's a clear day. The flags are waving. It's a great day, but it's even more beautiful in here as I look across this congregation and I see all of your beautiful shining faces today. Uh, what a great day it is to be with the family of the Lord. No, here at Life Church, uh, I'm a little loud or something or echoey or something. I don't know, but uh, do something. Get rid of all the echo of Kevin up here today, and and uh, we we want to. I want to be able to talk to you today about some things that I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart uh, for this service today. I'm almost kind of echoing a little bit of last Sunday, if you were here, uh, just kind of a continuation or just sort of hand in hand with what we talked about last Sunday. But before we dive into the word this morning, now that you are seated, I want to take a moment. Daddy mentioned it this morning. This is Memorial Day weekend. Tomorrow we celebrate Memorial Day. And uh, certainly this particular holiday is the day that we commemorate those and, and celebrate even those who, who paid the ultimate sacrifice, who gave their life on the battlefield uh, to, to protect and provide the, the, the freedom and the, and the liberties that you and I get to share today. As Daddy already mentioned, what we're doing right here in this service today. And uh, some of you maybe have loved ones. I know there are certain ones in this room today that have loved ones that, that literally gave their life. Uh, in war, in combat, but I also never want to miss an opportunity to honor all of our veterans and all of those who have served or are serving in any branch of our military right now. In fact, if you're here today and you are a veteran or served in the armed forces, would you stand across this room today and we want to honor you today. Service, I want to thank you for giving, giving of yourselves in service to our country, to each and every one of us, preserving preserving the freedoms and the liberties that we have today. We owe you a great, great debt of gratitude today, and we're so very thankful for each and every one of you. You served us, and in doing so, you served the kingdom of God, and we're so thankful for you because we, we have 90 flags waving out there, each one representing a veteran, and, uh, and we honor them today and those that paid the ultimate sacrifice but as we walk into this building, we'll honor them again when we leave out in a little while. But while we're in this building today, we honor the one who paid the ultimate sacrifice so that you and I can walk in freedom, in victory, in healing, in wholeness today. We're so very thankful for our Savior, our Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is a great God. Would you say amen? Amen. Second Chronicles, the 20th chapter. Second Chronicles 20. Beginning with verse 1, it happened after this that the people of Moab went with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria. And they are in Hazazon to seek, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. At the first sign of a threat, at the very first report of any kind of impending danger, the first thing, the very first thing that King Jehoshaphat did was he sought the Lord. He sought the Lord. He sought him 
first. I wonder in many of our lives, if I'm, if I'm to have confession time today and tell you about every battle that I've ever faced or any impending danger that I was looking at in my life or, or a threat or, or a fear of the future, I wish I could stand here and tell you that every single time my first step was to seek the Lord. I can't tell you that today. I can't tell you, many times my first option is, how can I fix the problem? How can I protect myself? How can I provide? What can I do? Where can I get the the physical or the natural help that I need to fix my problem? But King Jehoshaphat taught us a lesson here when he said that first and foremost, when he heard about the threat, when he heard about the danger that was coming, this, this this great army, this multitude of armies that was coming against him, the first thing that he did was he sought the Lord. If we could just get that one thing, we could be this. We ever now, we could go home and it would revolutionize our lives. It would change us forever. If we ever just get a grasp of the idea and know that all we have to do, first and foremost, is seek him. No matter what we're facing, no matter what we're going through, if we will seek him and his kingdom first, all of these other things are going to take care of themselves. So the first thing he did was he sought the Lord. But the second thing that he did was he proclaimed a fast. He proclaimed a a fast. Let me tell you about fasting. There's a lot of different ideas and thoughts about what fasting is. And I don't claim to know all the answers. But here's what I have uh, derived in my time of living and serving the Lord. Fasting is not to move the hand of God in any way. People say, well, so-and-so is sick. Let's fast for them. I I don't really embrace that type of thinking because somehow that would suggest that God is somehow sitting on his throne waiting to be impressed by us, by us fasting long enough. If we withhold our, if we, if we step away from the table long enough, God's sitting on his throne, the great healer, the almighty God, and he's saying, oh, I'm so impressed with what they're doing. I think I'll go and I'll answer their prayer for them now. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. Here's what I do believe fasting does. Fasting gets me out of the way. Fasting sacrifices my heart. There's only so much capacity in me. There's only so much capacity in my heart and in my mind. And the less there is of my thoughts, the less there is of my identity, my way of thinking, my way of looking at things, my perspective, the less there is of that, the more capacity there is for the things of God, for his kingdom, for his perspective in my life. And so when I enter into a season of fasting, and I suggest that all of us do just that, that when we do that, if it's a day or if it's three days, if it's a meal, whatever it may be, whatever the fast may be, what we are doing is, is we are praying, God, not my will, but yours be done, your kingdom come in my life. And so I'm moving out of the way. I'm sacrificing myself, my own desires, my own needs. And in doing so, the spirit of God rises up. Now, all of a sudden, there's less of me and there's more of him at work. Now I can hear what I couldn't hear before. Now I can see what I couldn't see before, because prior to that, I was just so full of self. And so fasting doesn't manipulate or change the hand of God. He is God. He is all-powerful. He can do all things and anything all at the same time. But fasting, fasting 
causes me to decrease, that he may increase. And so he sought the Lord, and then the second thing he said to the people and to all of them, he says, look, we can't lean on our own understanding here. We can't go on what we think and what we know, deal with. There must be less of us. We're facing a real enemy here. There's a great battle that we're about to deal with. There's armies coming against us. We can't lean on our own artillery. At this moment in time, we've got to lean completely upon the Lord. We've got to hear from the Lord. And so he gathers all the people of Judah together and he begins to call on the Lord. And I want you to listen to how he prays to the Lord. Listen to this prayer, if you will, beginning in verse 6. It says, O Lord, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one is able to withstand you? Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham, your friend, forever? And they dwell in it and they have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, if disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction and you will hear and save. And now, now here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who would, who would not let Israel invade, who you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from the, from them, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given to us to inherit. O our God, nor do not judge them, for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. I know that was a lot of reading today, but I wanted you to hear all of this prayer. Notice, notice what Jehoshaphat is doing here. Some would think, some would think that this was some sort of disrespectful or even sarcastic kind of prayer or jab that he was giving to the Lord. Are you who you really say you are? He's doing it all in question form. Are you not the God who said this? Are you not the God who did this? Are you not the one? It almost reminds me of the, of, of the time that John the Baptist sent word with his disciples to Jesus when he was in prison. This one who was the, literally the forerunner of Christ, the one who prepared the way. Now he's in prison. He sends word to Jesus and he says, he says, you go ask him, is he the one? Is he the anointed one? Or should we look for another? You would almost think it was that kind of prayer almost where it almost seems a little disrespectful or others might read this text and think that this was somehow him trying to remind God. Have, you, have, we, have, have anybody in this room, has anyone ever here been guilty of doing just that? We, we call ourselves reminding God of something. God, don't you remember? You ought to remember this. You ought to remember me. Remind God of his promises to his people. We can read that and, and, and look into it both of those ways. Out to the I read this. I don't believe either one of those are true. I believe that King Jehoshaphat was calling out to the Lord in the presence of the people of Judah. He wanted them to hear the prayer that he was praying. He wanted them to hear. He wanted them to be reminded. So in his prayer to the Lord and asking him the question, are you the one? Are you the one who, who delivered your children out of Israel, out of bondage? Are you the one who prepared the way, who, who made a way for us, who gave us this promised land? Aren't you the one? He wanted them to be reminded of the promises. Sometimes it does us good. We sing that song, remember your promises, remember your promises. I, I, sometimes it does us good just to rehearse 
the promises of God because in doing so, we're not reminding him, but we're reminding ourselves. I need to be reminded daily of the promises of God in my life. That's exactly what he was doing. He was just bringing back to everyone's remembrance, even his own, the promises of God and who God was in their lives. Tomorrow's Memorial Day. It's the day that we remember. It does us good to remember. I know the Apostle Paul spoke of forgetting those things which are behind and pressing forward. He's talking about the shame and the guilt and the condemnation of yesterday. But it does us good sometimes just to glance into the rearview mirror and remember what got us here. Because if we, if we choose not to remember, we can't appreciate where we are today. And we are certain to repeat the, 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 the mistakes and the failures of yesterday if we can't look back and just remember a little bit. It's one of the issues and the problems that we're facing in our society today. We're, we're starting to see a cycle happen. We're starting to see even our nation. I'm not going to get political today, but we're even seeing our nation begin to turn to a mindset that was there many, many, many years ago that, that where people didn't understand and they didn't appreciate what they had. There was a sense of entitlement, if you will. And, and because of that, you end up falling into a, a whole nother bondage altogether. But if we can remember, if we can remember the sacrifices, if we can remember the price that was paid for our freedoms, then we can appreciate where we are today and we will not repeat the, the same problems in the future. It's the day that we remember all those who paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom. You've heard the statement before, all gave some and some gave all. Ryan and Denise Ellington are here, and Tucker Ellington, Ryan's grandfather, Tucker's great-grandfather, died on the battlefield serving you and me. He was one of those that we commemorate today. Those, one of those flags out there today is, is commemorating his life. I love these kinds of holidays because it does us so well to remember. We have to Remember, and that's what Jehoshaphat was doing. He was saying, I want you to remember the promises of God. He was praying to the Lord, but he was doing it in earshot of all those who were there that day, wanting them to know. He is to remember, your God is faithful. He's brought you this far, and he's not going to let you down now. He is the God who delivered you, and he's the one who set you up, and he's not going to drop you now. we got to remember the blood that was shed. we got to remember the great sacrifices that was made on battlefields. It does us good to remember. And I believe that's exactly what the king was doing that day. He wasn't disrespecting the Lord by throwing it in his face. Aren't you the one? Are you the one? Are you not the one? He wasn't thinking that God was forgetful of his promises. Certainly not. He was simply speaking to the Lord in the hearing of the people of Judah, wanting them to remember who their God was and what his promises were. In their lives. It does us good to remember. We have to remember. We get so caught up in the drama of the day. We get so caught up in today's circumstance and the issue that I'm facing today that we tend to forget. We forget the promises of the Lord. We find ourselves in places of life and circumstances that seem like more than we can bear. It's in these moments that we have to remind ourselves. We have to bring it back to our memory again who our God is and what his promises state over our lives. In verse 15, Jehazel, one of the Levites, he's in Ukip, and he says this. He says, listen all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. 
Can I just say to every one of us today, fear not. Fear not. Worry. Stress. Anxiety. These are the things that that kill our joy. These are the things that hinder us from walking in the path that God has. These are the things that hinder us from being able to hear what God is saying. We're listening too many times to the voice of the enemy which comes through through that vein of worry and fear and anxiety. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to come of tomorrow? He says, first and foremost, do not fear. Do not fear nor be dismayed because of this great multitude. And I love this phrase. It's the one we love the most. We quote it all the time. For the battle is not yours. It is God's. Is anybody in this room today exhausted? Anybody in this room today just tired? You're tired because you're fighting. You're fighting something, whatever it is. If it's, if it's, if it's the thoughts in your own mind, if it's, if it's the battles you're facing on the workplace, maybe it's the battles you're facing in your marriage and in relationships, and we're just fighting all of the time, and we're always warfare against something, even if it's just our own thoughts. But the Word tells us, do not fear. Put fear out, for, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The battlefield is in the mind. He says, do not fear, because the battle's not yours. If you're fighting and you're exhausted, lay down your arms today. Leave them with the Lord and understand and trust that He will fight our battles for us. The battle's not yours. It is God's. Verse 16, he says, tomorrow. I I love this instruction. This is instruction for all of us. If you're facing an enemy in your life, if you've got an impending battle that you're looking at and something something that seems insurmountable, a mountain that you can't climb, a situation that's in front of you that you don't know how you're going to get out of, this is wonderful instruction for you and me today. He says, tomorrow, listen to this. This is almost... We, we almost don't want to think of the Lord instructing us this way. We don't like for him to instruct us this way because we don't like pain. We don't like to look at pain. We don't like to deal with pain. That's why, that's why the opioid crisis is what it is today because we're doing everything we can to cover up and mask the pain. We just don't want to look at it. We don't want to deal with it. But pain is our friend. Pain is a gift from God. We curse pain, but God gave us the gift of pain because pain is just there to let us know something's wrong. Something needs to be addressed. Something needs to be down all. And I'm giving you this gift. I'm sounding the alarm so that you'll go there and you'll deal with it. Not with a Tylenol, not with a Loratab, but with my presence, with my work in your life. Or to a physician if that's what you need. If it's a physical problem in your life. Tomorrow, go down against them. This almost contradicts the previous verse. Just the, the very line before was, the battle's not yours, it's God's. But then the very next phrase is, but go down against them. Most of us, when we get that promise from the Lord, the battle's not yours, it's God's, that's when we wash our hands and we go to the house and say, thank you, Lord, you're going to handle it, I'm done. We have to do that in our heart, we have to do that in our spirit. But guess what, tomorrow morning you still got to get up and you got to go to that job where you have that cantankerous boss who is just who has just bothered you and, and harassed you and, and, and eat away at your, at your nerves every day or that, 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 that employees or, 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 or that spouse or that child or whatever the case is, you still got to live the life. You still got to get up tomorrow and put your pants on the same way you did yesterday and you've got to live the life. 
We can't, we can't go and, and, and just hunker down in a foxhole somewhere waiting for the battle to end. The very next line is, go down against them. They will surely come up by the, by the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them this battle at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in this battle. There he is reminding us once again, the battle is not yours. You're not going to have to fight. But listen to this, but position yourselves. Position yourselves. We talked about this last Sunday. Stand still. I'm purposefully creating some awkward silence. Because we hate it, don't we? Some of you right now are sweating for me. Did he forget what he's fixing to say? Is he, did, did, is he really prepared today? What? But it would do us all good to just stop. Put the brakes on. Stand still. Position yourself. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord. Who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem? Do not fear or be dismayed tomorrow. Go out against them, for the Lord is with you. He says, go down against them. I, we have to understand that just because God says the battle's not yours, it's mine, it doesn't mean that we're not going to face a real enemy in life. This week on college, CC and Jack, you're going to have to drive back down to MD Anderson and deal with, with oncologists and chemotherapy, and radiation, and all of these types, being away from home. There's a real battlefield. There's a real enemy. There's, there's real uh, thoughts that attack the mind daily. There's all of these things in every one of our lives. We, we're not going to avoid the issues of life. Life is never going to be perfect. I don't care what doctrine that you've heard or somebody preached that somehow as soon as you surrender your life to God, everything's going to be perfect and rosy and it's just going to be skipping through tulips and you're going to be floating on the ninth cloud all the time. If, you, if you've embraced that belief or that thinking, you're not going to last very long in this thing because it's not the truth. It's not the truth. In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble. But be of good cheer because I've already overcome the world. But while you're in this world, you're going to face real problems. You're going to face a real battle, a real enemy. You're going to have issues you're going to have to deal with. So go on down there and face it. Quit tucking and running. Quit, quit hiding out in the foxhole. Quit, quit doing everything you can to mask the pain. You go down. You position yourself, he said. So we position ourselves in prayer, in fasting, in worship. In obedience to the Lord, we position ourselves. We're on a real battlefield. We're facing a real enemy. But it's in that season that we position ourselves and we stand still. We quit trying to fight the battle. We quit trying to take the, take the, take the artillery out of God's hands and, and take it on for ourselves. We quit doing that. And in that moment, when we position ourselves, we stand still. It's in that moment that we'll begin to see the hand of the Lord begin to work in ways that we could have never imagined when we stand still when we position ourselves. Verse 20, it says, So they arose early in the morning and went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall 
prosper. He's saying, you're about to go into the battlefield. You're about to face a real enemy. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be scary. It's going to be lonely. It's going to be dark at times. It's going to feel hopeless at moments. And it's in that moment. It's in those moments when you'll have to rely not on your feelings, not on your emotions anymore, but it's in those moments that you'll have to rely on what you know, what you've chosen to believe. I choose to believe. I'm drawing the line in the sand. I'm pouring concrete right here. And it doesn't matter what happens in the world around me. It doesn't matter who, who abandons me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what circumstances arise in my life. It doesn't matter what kind of enemy I'm facing. I have made a decision. I'm relying on what I know and what I've chosen to believe that he believe. And I believe that he is my everything. And I believe that he's my protector. And I believe that he's my provider. And I believe that he's my comfort. I believe that he's my light in the dark. I believe that he's the one who feeds me when I'm hungry. I choose to believe. And he says, in these moments, you've got to position yourself and you have to believe. Believe who he is. Believe what his word says. Believe who he says that we are. Believe what his promises are over our lives. We have to believe. We have to believe that he is a God that will never leave us. He will never forsake us. It doesn't matter what the situation is. It doesn't matter how bad it looks. We have to believe that his mercies are from everlasting to everlasting, we got to begin to quote his word. we got to begin to declare his word over every area of our life, over every relationship, over our checkbook, over our health, over our family, over our children, over our marriages, over our homes. Declare his word. We have to declare that his promises never fail, that he will go before us, that he will fight our battles for us. So we have to remember and we have to believe. I know that sounds a little elementary today probably. Of course I believe. I'm in church today. But do we? Do we really believe when we're in the thick of the battle, when the enemy is raging, when, when, when things are coming into our lives, when there's darkness all around, do we truly believe? Or are we looking for other solutions? Are we looking for there's too many people? Or are we looking to escape? Or if we will just learn to stand still. Stand still. There's too many people trying to abandon marriages these days just because they don't, it doesn't feel right anymore. I don't feel like I love you anymore. And so they're just looking for the, they're looking for the exit. When all God is saying is, it may not feel like you want it to feel right now. The emotions may not be what it needs to be right now, what you want it to be right now. But you stand still. You watch me work. When you've done all you can do, you stand still. Just position yourself and let me do the work that only I can do. So we remember and we believe. In verse 21 it says, and when he had consulted with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord. I love this. And who should praise the beauty of his holiness as they went out before the army and were saying, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Too many times I've been guilty of underestimating the power of a song. I, I love, my, my wife sings all the time. She has a beautiful voice. You all know this. But y'all, I mean too much of a good thing Sometimes it's just too much. It's constant. I can, we can't drive down the road in the car. We, I, can't, I can't even get along in my study because the further away I get in the house, the louder the booming voice gets. I mean, she just, she's got a beautiful voice. And I love to hear her sing sometimes. But not all the time. It's not your turn. I mean, I have some favorite TV shows. But I'm... Get back there. It's not your turn. It's not your turn. I got the microphone right now. 
I got some favorite TV shows, but I can't lay around on the couch and watch TV shows all the time. You just, there's a, but she's got a beautiful voice and she loves to sing. And I love the song that she sang and led us in this morning, the song of worship. And every time she's singing, it's always a song of worship. I wish I was as spiritual as she was because every time I sing, I'm singing like Journey or Death Leopard or, you know, some, some, some of those 80s uh, hair bands. And some of you that don't have hair anymore, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and so, so but, but she's singing all these beautiful worship songs, sometimes I underestimate the power of a song. Sometimes I underestimate the power of praise in our lives, in my life. It's why we begin each service with a time of singing and praise. We're not just trying to go through a ritual or a a routine here, sing three happy clappy songs and a a slow one and then hear a word. There's a a method to the madness. There's a reason why we do what we do because, because it's when we enter into that time of praise and worship out of a choice, out of obedience, not out of emotion or feeling. If I was waiting for emotion to show up every time I praised God, it wouldn't happen very often. But if I do it out of obedience and out of a choice, and that's what we're, that's what we're encouraging our church family to do when we gather today, we gather together every Sunday. We've been living to, we've been doing our stuff, but we pause just for a little while and say, God, I just want to sing songs to you. We used to sing a lot of songs about him, and there's nothing wrong with that, but I love how a lot of the songs today now are to him. They're just relationship songs. They're singing to him and, and who he is and how great he is in our lives and praising him. This was the people of Judah. Judah means praise. They were the people of praise. I think it's interesting that when, when the 12 brothers, the 11, were throwing, were throwing uh, uh, Joseph into the pit. Ultimately, it was 10, I guess, that threw Joseph into the pit. And they were going to kill him. But it was Judah. It was Judah who had the idea, who convinced the other brothers, let's get him out. Let's just sell him. We can make some money off of him. I'm going to tell you something. Praise will pull you out of a pit every single time. Every time. If you're in a pit right now, you may not feel like it, but just lift your hands to the Lord and just begin to worship. Just begin to praise him. God, I praise you. I, I, I know I got a lot of drama going on in my life right now. I'm not even going to talk to you about that. I'm just going to sing about how great you are. You're an awesome God. You're a mighty God. I can't, I can't carry a tune in the bucket, but I'm going to, I'm just going to sing from my heart and I'm just going to holler and I'm going to scream and I'm just going to praise you because you're worthy of it. And every single time, every single time he will pull you out of the pit. It's interesting. That they didn't send out their best fighters first. Jehoshaphat didn't send the no artillery. He didn't send the he didn't send the cavalry out. He he didn't send the army out. No weapons. They were simply sent out to the battlefield with a song and a praise. A song and a praise. We touched we touched on this last week, but it's worth repeating. Second Corinthians ten verse three. For though we walk in the flesh. We do not war according to the flesh. I said it last Sunday, I'll say it again. Your enemy is not your boss. Your enemy is not your spouse. Your enemy is not your mother-in-law. Your enemy is not your co-worker. We do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they are carnal. They are, they, they, they are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. If you want to know how to win in life, if you want to know how to have victory, it's through our praise. 
That's how we have victory. That's how we win in life. Listen to what happened just as they began to sing and they began to praise in verse 22. Now, when they began to sing and they began to praise, the Lord, listen to this, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Their enemy, their enemy began to turn on one another. This, these allied forces that came together against Judah, they, one got mad at the other and started fighting each other till finally they all just defeated one. And while they're right in front of their faces, they're sitting here just singing and praising. And while they're singing and praising, their enemies are just self-destructing right in front of them. They never had to pull a sword out. They never had to throw a spear. They never had to do anything. They just sat still, positioned themselves, and watched the salvation of the Lord. That is where the victory is. That's the reason why we don't go hide in a foxhole and say, okay, God, you take care of it. Because whenever we step out on the battlefield, we're able to witness, we're able to see exactly what God is doing in our lives. And that's what takes us into the next battle, knowing that he will go before us and he will fight the battle for us. God's word is true. It never fails. If he promised it, it will come to pass. He promises he promised that they would not have to fight in this battle. He promised that he would fight their battle for them. And now their enemy self-destructed right before their eyes. So they remembered the promises of God. As Jehoshaphat quoted it, as he, as he prayed it aloud, they remembered. And then they believed the word of the Lord. And they did not fear. They didn't let fear consume their hearts and their minds. They did not retreat they went to the battlefield and they faced their enemy and they obeyed by going out in song and in praise. I can promise you that you're singing out of emotion. I promise you they weren't going out waving hands and singing, your mercy endures forever, the Lord is good. I promise you they didn't do that because they were feeling it. They did it out of obedience. They were obeying. Worship is not about emotion, it is about obedience. And because they remembered, and because they believed, and because they did not fear and they did not retreat, and because they obeyed in worship, they experienced the greatest kind of victory that they could have ever experienced. And I'll close with this. Verse 25, it says, When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, their enemies all died right before them, just self-destructed. They never had to lift a finger. They never had to stress for one minute. They never had to worry for one second. They just praised God and watched their enemies fall. And once the enemies fell, they began to go and collect the loot. This is the fun part. This is where it gets fun. This is the end of the story. When Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away their spoil, they found among them an abundance of valuables on the dead bodies and precious jewelry, which they stripped off of for themselves. More, more, than, more than they could carry away. And they were three days gathering the spoil because there was so much. My favorite little singing group, my harmony, my little cousins up in North Carolina, they put a song out this week. I shared it on Facebook. My cousin Landy wrote the song. The song is simply... God's still working. God's still working. So many times, 
in an effort to avoid the enemies of our lives, to not have to deal with the hardships, we'll just abort the process too soon sometimes. We go where it feels better. If it's another relationship or if it's some, something else to mask the pain or to, to ease, may, ease my pain, that's what we do. But we abort the process way too soon many times. Too many times we'll retreat to a foxhole and we'll hunker down and we'll pray. We'll just pray, God, I don't even want to have to face this. I don't even want to have to look at it. However, more times than not, I always want to be encouraging, but sometimes I have to be a little discouraging before we can get to the end of the story. (laughs) The end of the story is always great. We always win in the end of the story. The, the, The war has been won, though we may be in a battle that we feel like we're losing right now. The war's already won, but but we got to deal with. We got to talk about where we're at today. We got to bring it down to where we're at right now. So many times we want to retreat, but more times than not, God is taking us on a journey. And on that journey, he is going to grow us. He is going to mature us. He is going to strengthen us. And it's in that journey that he will reveal his power. And he will reveal his provision in ways that we never even thought were possible. If we don't abort the process. If we don't, if we don't get away from the journey. See, life's not about the destination. It's about the journey. And God's doing stuff on the journey. As the song says, God's still working. And let me just remind you that our God doesn't do anything halfway. He doesn't do anything halfway. Every single journey that we walk down in life, every battlefield that we find ourselves on, we will always walk away with so much more than what we started with when we entered into that journey. Every single time. Three days. Three days it took them to carry all the jewels. To carry all the spoil away. To bring such great provision. They were better. And so this was my Facebook post from yesterday. Allow me to share it again. You may be in the middle of a battle today. Maybe even the greatest battle you've ever faced in your life. However, We have to be very careful not to put a period where God has only placed a comma. Remember that we're still in the middle of the book. We're still living in a mid-chapter somewhere, but the author has not said the end yet. He's already written the book. It's already done, and guess what? You're going to win, but you haven't got to the end yet. So let's don't put a period there. Let's certainly don't put an exclamation point. It's just a comma. There's another chapter. There's more to come. He's still working. And he always has the final say. Your situation today, it may seem bad to you. But let's be careful what we label bad and what we label good. There's things that we're calling good and God says, I don't have anything to do with that. There's things that we, from our human perspective human perspective, we're labeling it bad and God's saying, I'm working all things together for good in your life. Your situation, it may seem bad to you right now, but he's always working all things together for good. So never forget, when it seems hopeless to us, he's still working. He's still working. 
Would you stand with me today across this room? That day on the battlefield, when Jehoshaphat's army went down and the people of Judah went down, singing their songs and praising the Lord, at the end of the day, they were victors. At the end of the day, they won. And that day, they couldn't even carry all the valuables and the jewels. It took three days to gather it all. And I guess if there's one thing that I want every one of us today to walk away with from this house, it's this. Don't stop early. Don't stop early. Don't abandon the battlefield early. Position yourself. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord. I don't care how bleak it looks right now. I, I, I don't care how, how awful the marriage is right now. I don't care how bad the situation seems. I don't care how strung out your child is on drugs right now. It doesn't really matter. Stand still and watch and just see what your almighty God can and will do when we will just position ourselves. Promises. So on this Memorial Day, I want, to, I want to remind every one of us today to remember his promises. Believe his word and stand on it. Do not fear and do not retreat and go out singing. Go out singing. Get a Memorial Day song in your heart today and say, God, I'm just going to sing of your everlasting mercies that are new every single day. I'm going to sing a song to you. I'm going to praise you. And in the middle of that, in the middle of the battlefield, watch and see the salvation of the Lord. He's going to work the miraculous. He's going to do the impossible. He'll do things that you never even imagined. He'll heal. He'll restore. He'll bring back together. He'll do stuff that we could never imagine on our own. We will just stop, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Father, we're so thankful. We're thankful for your promises, that they are yes and amen. I'm thankful, God, that you are the author. You're not just the author, but you're the perfecter of our faith. And God, that you are working all things together for good in our lives. Thank you for the instruction that you give us through your word, how you grow us every day, how you strengthen us every day, how you mature us every day, how you are sculpting us and molding us to be the people and the children that you've called us to be, to be the light in a dark world, to be salt, Lord God, where there needs to be your life giving. God, I thank you that you are working all things in our lives. Bless each one that walked into this house today. God, I pray that your word has fallen on fertile ground. And when we leave out of here today, God, may we leave with a song in our heart, a worship and a praise, God, that cannot be contained. And Lord, we do it out of obedience, knowing, God, that you are going before us, that the battle is not ours, but it is yours. I pray, God, for you to encourage and strengthen each one today. Whatever battle they may be facing, God, we're not asking for retreat. We're not even asking for reprieve today, God. We're just asking you, Lord, to walk with us and walk before us. We know, God, that you will go and you will fight our battles for us. So we trust you and we choose to believe. We stand and we pour concrete today on the fact that we trust you and we know, God, that you are our all in all. You're our protector. You're our provider. You're everything. We bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.